0: Welcome, welcome, welcome to another edition of Bagoon's Barrage, the roughly half-hour podcast that, really, when you boil it all down, is just one big, long rant from yours truly. I'm Jake Donnelly, a.k.a. Bagoon, so glad that you're joining me here on Thursday, June 29th, 2017, as I believe this is the 30th episode of Bagoon's Barrage, so things are starting to pick up here. Hopefully it's not that long until we get to episode 100, but For episode 30 right now, we do have a lot of things to get to. I said in the last episode that we would get to the Serena Williams-John McEnroe kerfuffle. Never did. We will get to it during this episode. We'll also talk about the most recent podcast and the eulogy for a baseball play. In particular, the breakup slide and just where that is right now. Has it been revived Or are people metaphorically beating the dead horse? Also, a little bit about the Celtics NBA draft, in particular, who I think was their best draft pick. But before we get to any of that, we have to go to the sport of baseball because, once again, we're having one of those fun debates. And the topic of the day, who is the best pitcher in baseball? So, anybody that's been paying attention really to the National League this season. It's not a debate. The best pitcher in baseball is clearly Max Scherzer. Like, it's one of those things where we wouldn't be talking about it if not for the fact that somebody came up with an article and produced an article that is blatantly just crazy. If I didn't try to keep everything PG on this program, I would be using a ton of different adjectives to describe this particular article, an article that I have dubbed the worst article on the internet, the dumbest article on the internet right now, and that belongs to a guy by the name of Michael Bowman, all right? So Bowman, or Bowman, whatever, Michael Bowman. So Bowman wrote an article And it's on The Ringer. He's a writer for The Ringer. He was on Grantland. He does very good work, right? So this guy has to come up with something that is otherworldly stupid. In order to write the dumbest article on the internet, this guy had to go out of his way to come up with something baffling, to come up with something that just has no place in reality. So Bauman... Writes an article on The Ringer that the first title that you see is called, Nope, Max Scherzer isn't better than Clayton Kershaw. Okay? That is a statement that somebody can make depending on your parameters. So, because we like to give everybody a fair shake. Remember, I'm a big free speech First Amendment guy. And part of that is to let people say the dumbest and stupidest things possible. So you can hear that. And then you, combat, you can combat the idiocy that is coming out of their mouths or, in this case, off of their keyboard. So we click on the article, and what do we get? First thing he says, and it's in quotation marks, Clayton Kershaw is the best pitcher in baseball. All right, not this year, but, you know, let's just keep reading. Clayton Kershaw is The Best Pitcher in Baseball is a statement that started out around 2011 as a trial balloon. Uh, okay, okay. So we're talking about the last six years. Oh, absolutely. If we're talking about the last six years, Clayton Kershaw, Best Pitcher in Baseball, absolutely, you 100% are correct in that statement because not only— Has Clayton Kershaw been the best pitcher in baseball over the last six years? But quite frankly, the first 10 years of Clayton Kershaw's regular season statistics, it's one of the best first 10 seasons of all time. Now, when you get into the playoffs, the guy turns into a skunk. We did an entire podcast on this exact topic. But if you want to say that Clayton Kershaw, for every regular season, regular start, is the best pitcher in baseball? Okay, cool. All right, so so we're fine. And then he goes on da, 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 da. not only do we know scientifically that Kershaw is the best pitcher in baseball, uh, yeah, we we just said that, but we believe it spiritually. Okay, now you're going into the realm of hey everybody, watch out what you are about to read is going to be completely nonsensical. I actually like when people do this because when I opened up the article, I thought, all right, this Bauman guy, he writes a lot with advanced statistics and you can kind of follow his logic. The whole point about sabermetrics and advanced statistics is that it's all based on logic and rationale. So here we have a guy who uses, for the most part, logic and rationale, and then he puts this sentence at the end of his first paragraph, not only do we know scientifically that Kershaw's the best pitcher in baseball, but we believe it spiritually. Okay, so this article is gonna be crap. You could just tell right from the get-go. This article gonna be crap. All right, you know what? That's fine. We put on our rubber gloves, the you know S-kicker boots that we wear around the farm. We're gonna be dealing with a whole, you know, lot of crap during this article, but he gives us that warning sign, so at least let's thank Bauman for that. All right. Eventually, we stop considering the question of who's the best pitcher in baseball. Like a golf tournament, he did some really stupid metaphors. So his whole point is that Kershaw has been dominant for so long that the guys that he had eclipsed are now either retired or guys that have since really, they're on the bottom end of their decline. So A guy like Jake Arrieta, who last year was obviously extremely good, or somebody like Justin Verlander, who seven years ago, you could say is quite possibly the best pitcher in baseball. But in 2017, nobody would make that statement at all. Because obviously in 2017, Justin Verlander is no longer the 100-mile-an-hour hammer thrower that he used to be still Very good pitcher, but he's no longer the Justin Verlander of the Justin Verlander. All right, uh, so we go back to Bauman's article. Uh, The most recent challenger is Nationals right-hander Max Scherzer. Well, obviously, because Scherzer is the better pitcher this season. But, all right, whatever. Let's make your point. Scherzer currently leading the National League in strikeouts in all of baseball and ERA+. In other words, it means he's the best pitcher in baseball. Uh, Meanwhile, Kershaw is seemingly in decline. He's on pace to more than double his career high in home runs allowed and posts his lowest strikeout percentage since 2013, with his highest fielding independent pitching since his rookie year. In other words, Kershaw, whose ERA is still under 2.50, at last check it was 2.49, I believe. Uh, But let's actually, we don't like to guess statistics. Uh, 2.47 is Scherzer's... ERA as of this moment. All right. So in other words, Scherzer, who's not getting touched by any opposing batters, which usually means you're the best pitcher in Major League Baseball versus Kershaw, who is getting tattooed, but actually just not giving up that many runs. In other words, when he gives up a hit, it's more times than not right now, a home run, which is kind of bad. But at the same time, he's got a pretty good whip. Kershaw's whip is 0 which already you know it's going to be good, 0.924. But then there's Scherzer's whip this season, which is 0.783. So unreal work from Scherzer. All right, Kershaw's been challenged before, but mostly by newcomers like Jake Arietta, Noah Syndergaard, Matt Harvey, and the late Jose Fernandez, who, men whose arguments rested on stuff or potential and were usually couched in terms of the future anyway. In other words, what he's saying is that most of the guys that have challenged Kershaw for the best pitcher in baseball title, it depends on that one start, not the body of work over a season or over the last couple of seasons. And this is a really good argument for Bauman to bring up. He says, look, you can't name somebody the best pitcher in baseball just because they had this one fantastic start. Because usually that one star is an outlier. But here's the thing. Is Scherzer an outlier? All right. Scherzer's the most serious challenge yet. Not only because Kershaw looks vulnerable, but because Scherzer is not only good now, he's been good for long enough to generate a track record that makes it impossible to dismiss him as a fluke. Uh, Okay, right. That's, That's the whole point about the best pitcher in baseball. When you say best pitcher in baseball. What you really are saying is who's the best pitcher in baseball today? Now who's the best pitcher in baseball over the last start? Now who's the best pitcher in baseball over the last two starts? What you're asking is who is the best pitcher in baseball this season? It's why they have an award called the Cy Young Award which says this guy was the best pitcher in baseball. So right now The argument, who is the best pitcher in baseball? If you're paying attention, I believe it is Max Scherzer. I believe that because the man has the body of work to substantiate that claim. Whereas right now, Clayton Kershaw coming off of an injury-plagued season where he didn't get to 150 innings pitched. In fact, Scherzer was at 100. That's where the numbers got confused. He was at 149 innings pitched. His ERA was 2.47. But he had 149 innings pitched last year while he put up outrageous numbers. A 169 ERA strikeouts 172 to an unreal 11 walks. But here's the thing. If you only pitch for 149 innings, then you are not a reliable guy. But let's go back to Bauman's article. Okie dokie, Scherzer also has a unique ability to put together monstrous single-game performances. In 2015, he had a 16-strikeout, one-hit, one-walk, complete game shutout, and a 10-strikeout, no-hitter, and back-to-back starts. Then, finished the season with a 17-strikeout, no-hitter, in which the only base runner reached on an error. In May 2016, he became just the fourth pitcher after Roger Clemens, Kerry Wood and Randy Johnson to strike out 20 batters in a 9 inning single ga- uh, in a 9 inning game. And in the past month, he flirted with yet another run at the strikeout record and a third no-hitter. Okay, so what you're saying is most recently if you wanted one game dominance, the pitcher you would give the ball to is Max Scherzer. But your article is Clayton Kershaw is better than Max Scherzer. In fact, actually, your article is the inverse statement, which is, nope, Max Scherzer is not better than Clayton Kershaw. But you just gave us evidence as to why Scherzer is the better single game Pitcher. Okay, whatever. All right, all right, You know what? It's Balmond. He's going to come up with stats to, that somehow say that uh, Kershaw is better than Scherzer. All right, so let's drop it down. Uh, but that durability and pension for single-game brilliance, wouldn't matter if Scherzer hadn't been outpitching Kershaw this year, and he is conclusively outpitching Kershaw this year. All right, this is um, the, the point of the article where I started taking a tack hammer. To my right temple. Because again, Bauman is claiming Kershaw better than Scherzer. And so far, throughout the article, all he has done is given you ample evidence as to why his statement is factually incorrect. And now he drops down all of the more advanced stats, okay? K percentage, walk percentage, innings pitched, defensive rating adjustment, fielding, independent pitching, ERA plus, uh, F war, B war, and warp. Okay, so K percentage, obviously you want that to be higher. Scherzer this year, 35.3 versus Kershaw's 29.2. Walk percentage 5.8 versus 4.3. Innings pitched Kershaw slightly better 1091 to 1072. In other words, Kershaw's collected five more outs. Uh, defensive rating adjustment 2.80. And you want this number to be low for Kershaw versus Scherzer's 1.70. Fielding independent pitching. In other words, when. You just don't, when it's just the pitcher's stuff out on the mound, it's like an ERA number, Kershaw 3.41, and Scherzer 2.79. ERA plus, how much better are you than the average pitcher? You want this number to be higher. It's out of 100, and it goes above 100. Kershaw, fantastic, 171. Scherzer, unreal at 210. F-War, 2.5 versus Scherzer's 3.4. You want that number to be higher. B-War, a full... Win better for Scherzer, 4-3, and Warp, 4.65, another full run better, or win better, than Kershaw, 3.4. So what you're saying is, every single metric that you can come up with to decide and really equate and compare which pitcher is better, Scherzer, with the exception of innings pitched, has been the much better pitcher than Kershaw, and even that is just a five out difference. OK? Uh, there are things like uh, 538's ElO rating system, which says, over the last X amount of weeks, who has been the better pitcher? In other words, it's not just who was the better pitcher this week, but it takes into account a long list of uh, it takes sorry, it takes a long um, time frame. Sample size, there we go. It, it takes a, an inordinate, not inordinate, but it takes a long sample size, a massive sample size, and then equates it. In other words, so it's not just a weighted metric so that if you have pitched well in the last two starts, then you can automatically jump over the other guy. In other words, you have to have that real big sample size in order to be the better pitcher. So what does 538's ELO rating say? Well, 538 ELO rating says that the best pitcher over the past five weeks has been Clayton, or excuse me, has been Max Scherzer. So every time he brings up something that would claim that you're expecting for Clayton Kershaw to be the better pitcher, it ends up being Max Scherzer. It's like, huh? All right. So we go back to the article. Scherzer is the most credible challenger to Kershaw since he took the title off of, depending on whom you ask, Roy Halladay in 2011 or Justin Verlander in 2012 or 2013. But Kershaw's still the champ, and it's still not all that close. So in other words, he's saying, not only is Kershaw still the better pitcher, which we have proven already, and we're going to get to more stats, but we've already proven that Scherzer's the better pitcher. Not only is he saying that's incorrect, but it's actually not that close. Now, here is where Bauman gets unbelievably intellectually dishonest. He, you have to set up a parameter. If you're trying to argue something, you have to set up the parameter. You have to set up how exactly you can make your point, right? When you say best pitcher in baseball, Many people ask, and they come to the conclusion, if you want like a one-game, if you have a one-game playoff, who do you want on the mound? That's kind of what you're asking. This day and age, one-game playoff, who do you want on the mound? That's what the best pitcher in baseball means. And the best pitcher in baseball right now is Scherzer, not Clayton Kershaw. We've made that abundantly obvious, but we're going to do so even more as we go along here and just eviscerate this article. But here is the massive intellectual dishonesty from Bauman. Bauman tries to set his parameters for his argument. Nobody says best pitcher in baseball right now actually means it, because baseball is, more than any other major American sport, a game that requires sustained excellence over time. Unless it's Game 7 of the World Series, it's not good enough to be good now, yet to be good six days a week over a six-month regular season. Okay, so he's saying no, we're not actually talking about the one game playoff scenario. We're talking about most recent track record. Okay, fine. Multiple six month regular seasons, really, if a player has ambitions of being anything more than a one year historical curiosity like Mark Fidrich or Pre Yips Rink and Keel. Uh, okay, we, we understand that. We're not idiots. We're trying to say who's the best pitcher in baseball right now. Last week, Hugh Darvish struck out 10 with no runs, no walks, and just two hits on 88 pitches over seven innings. But even though he's the best pitcher in baseball on Friday, and he's got some of the best stuff in the game, nobody's calling him the best pitcher in baseball over any time horizon. Darvish walks too many batters, and he's broken the 200-inning barrier only once. He's great at times, but not consistently great enough to be considered a threat to Kershaw the way Scherzer is. Right. That's why the argument is not you, Darvish. It is Max Scherzer over Clayton Kershaw, you dolt. So track record matters, back to the article. The question is how much. Right, right. That, 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 that. Nope. (laughs) We understand that. NSS. We get that. That's the whole point of any argument discussing baseball players in Major League Baseball right now. Because if we took entire careers, then... Yeah, Clayton Kershaw doesn't hold a candle to even being the best lefty in the Los Angeles Dodgers history. In other words, the Dodgers history, because we've got to grab Brooklyn too, because that's Sandy Koufax. Because when you go back to the top of that most recent paragraph, unless it's Game 7 of the World Series, full stop, Clayton Kershaw will never pitch in Game 7 of the World Series because Clayton Kershaw is a pumpkin in the postseason. Pitching matters. Not just regular season, but also postseason. When you're discussing best pitchers, but okay, let's go with your parameters. So track record matters. The question is, how much? Scherzer debuted a month before Kershaw in twenty uh, in two thousand and eight. Uh, okay, so obviously we already know that this is going to be a really stupid parameter article, just or parameter premise. Just how far back are we going to go with track records? Because 2008 was almost a decade ago. All right, whatever. Bring it, Bauman. That year, Scherzer posted a 151 ERA plus and a strikeout to walk ratio of 10.6 or strikeout uh, per nine-inning ratio of 10.6 and 56 innings split between the rotation of the bullpen in Arizona. Kershaw threw the most famous called strike in spring training history that March made 21 starts and one relief appearance and struggled to throw strikes at times. A 4.3 walk uh, per nine-inning ratio posted a 98-plus ERA and in, uh, 172 innings, uh, 107.2 innings, which is great, blah, 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 blah. Kershaw allowed the few— Okay, so in other words, he's going back all the way to 2008— Scherzer, despite being four years older, right? right, right. we don't care about any of that because your premise is who is the best pitcher in baseball. We don't need a decade's worth of data to evaluate the best pitcher in baseball today. Right. We need probably like the last year and a half. Is that a good parameter? I like to come up with arbitrary parameters when discussing the best pitcher in baseball. And uh, get this. I thought it was really catchy. I call it the season. Most recent season. Right. Real catchy. Thought of it all of myself. (laughs) Yeah. All right, in other words, this guy's an idiot. Uh, when Kershaw won his first Cy uh, Young, his competitors for best pitcher in baseball title were Halliday and Cliff Lee, both now retired. Right, that's not the argument we're making. The argument is who's the best pitcher in baseball? Now, who's the best pitcher in baseball in 2013, 2014? Who's the best pitcher in baseball in 2017? And that usually brings with it the caveat of who has been the best pitcher in baseball most recently, right? That's what we're discussing. Okay, back to Balma. But over their overlapping careers, this is the longest Scherzer's been better than Kershaw. Face palm. (sighs) So again, the premise of your article is that Clayton Kershaw is better than Scherzer. And yet, you have statistics that all say the opposite. And you even point out this is the longest Scherzer's been better than Kershaw. Uh, Okay, okay. This is the longest Scherzer's been better than Kershaw. Oh, my God. And the guy's argument is the opposite. But hey, do you have more? Now he brings in the Elo Raider. I got a little bit ahead of myself earlier, which is why I was stumbling around like a drunken fawn. But here's the thing. Even the 538 ELO rater, which is in its third week in a row with Scherzer in the top spot, had Kershaw there for 37 of the previous 38 weeks and 106 of the previous 139. Okay, but is the ELO rating a one-week thing or a big time frame statistic? But ELO is a rolling weighted measure. So if Scherzer's on top now, it doesn't just mean that he's been uh, been better right this instant. He's been better over a long period of time. Somebody give me a rusty spoon and let me gouge out my eyes so I do not have to read any more of this article. But the ELO is a rolling weighted measure. So if Scherzer's on top now, it doesn't just mean that he's better right this instant. He's been better over a long period of time. These are the type of articles that make you lose faith in humanity, kind of make you want to get a shovel, dig a six by eight by six, get that six feet deep, lie down and hope it rains for 24 hours straight so you can drown yourself. This article... Honestly, it's one of the dumbest things I have ever seen on the Internet. In every single thing he brings up says Scherzer better than Kershaw. And yet all he wants to say is Kershaw is better than Scherzer with no basis in reality. Through every statistic that he brings up, you can make the case that Kershaw isn't as we flip his own title on him. You can make the case that Kershaw isn't better than Scherzer. And that would be the only case that actually makes any factual sense. Whether you want it from the fact that Scherzer right now in his last couple of starts because he's been tearing it up for the past five weeks is better or because you want to say over the long haul, over the most recent long haul, Scherzer has been better. Every single way you want to look at it. Upside, uh, upside downside, left, right, polka-dotted, hold, I don't care, Swiss cheese. It doesn't matter the angle with which you view this argument. Scherzer is better. Not only that, but who's been more reliable between Scherzer and Clayton Kershaw? Kershaw, 149 innings in 2016. Scherzer, in 2016, 228, which was almost the exact number. It was 228 and a third innings for Scherzer in 2016. 2015, 228 and two-thirds innings. Kershaw actually led The National League with 232 and two-thirds innings pitched in 2015, but then dropped under 200 yet again in 2014, which in that year, Scherzer was at 220. He was also over 200 again in 2013. In other words, Scherzer, four straight seasons of 200-plus innings. Clayton Kershaw has only reached the 200-inning mark in two of the last four and didn't reach the 150-inning mark last season. So how do you want to look at it? It doesn't matter. This entire article is so dumb that it's impossible to decipher how he came up with the premise and how an editor at The Ringer said, you know what, this makes total sense, let it fly, unless... He's writing this just to troll and get reactions from guys like me, which, by the way, is an easy thing. Not exactly the most even-keeled guy to begin with. But if you're writing for a purportedly like, high-end website like The Ringer, why are you writing a troll article? And that's what you are, right? Baseball's the most quantifiable of all sports, why we have regular statistics like ERA, batting average, and RBI. It's why we have these newfangled statistics like ERA plus, UZR, and fielding independent pitching. Because there's so many statistics, you can argue all the time over whom is the better player pitcher and engage in these arguments ad nauseum, right? If you find the correct statistic, that statistic can substantiate your claim. And it's also why intellectually hon- uh, why intellectual honesty goes a long way in baseball arguments. And why intellectual dishonesty makes you look like a fool. It makes you say things like, nope, Max Scherzer isn't better than Clayton Kershaw. And then proceed to write an entire article explaining exactly why Max Scherzer is so much better than Clayton Kershaw. This is why this is the dumbest article on the internet right now. Every single claim that Bauman makes... In every single statistic that he brings up says that Scherzer is the best pitcher in baseball. Part of why Scherzer is the best pitcher in baseball is because he has dominated over the last five weeks. But that's the point. What's your time frame? Over the past year and a half, Kershaw didn't pitch at all in the final half of the regular season last year, right? So you can't, say that Kershaw was better last year because Kershaw didn't even pitch 150 innings. Scherzer pitched more than 75 innings more than Kershaw. So he was more reliable. When Kershaw was pitching, who was the better pitcher? Okay, that was Kershaw. But here's the thing. If I want a pitcher to pitch, I need the pitcher to pitch. You can't put up good statistics if you don't take the ball on the mound every sixth day for six months, as he says. Seasons are not three months long. If that were the case, we would hand out the World Series trophy at the All-Star Game. But that's not the case. Nor are seasons just the regular season, which is why you can never say that Clayton Kershaw, at least right now in 2017 during this regular season, you can never say that Clayton Kershaw was the best pitcher in all of baseball of all time. You can't even say that Clayton Kershaw is the best pitcher in Dodgers history. You can't even say that Clayton Kershaw is the best left-handed pitcher in Dodgers history. Because that's Sandy Koufax. Because not only did Sandy Koufax have tremendous seasons in the regular season, he then stepped it up in the postseason and dominated in the postseason. Whereas Kershaw, <laughs> hindered himself in the postseason, right? Uh, This is the most intellectually dishonest article ever. But at least I don't think that he's being actively intellectually dishonest. I just think that Bauman is so much of a fanboy for Kershaw that even when looking at the statistics, he tries to wiggle them in a manner that he can say, no, Kershaw is better than Scherzer. But the problem is, no matter how you slice it, how you look at it, Scherzer has been a much better pitcher, much better pitcher than Clayton Kershaw this season over the past five starts, over the past month, and going back to the start of last season. Because the statistics do not add up. It's not close. And... Baseball writers, right now, they have gotten into this. Uh, yeah, it's what I said. It's a fanboy pro- uh, problem with baseball writers. That's why Buster only wrote his ludicrous Clayton Kershaw is the best pitcher of all time article a couple of weeks ago. For some reason, because Clayton Kershaw's statistics are so good, they try to say that he is even better than he is. What's wrong with just enjoying and admiring how good Clayton Kershaw is right now. Clayton Kershaw is pretty much a once-in-a-generation pitcher. That's good enough for me. I can enjoy Look, you're making me like take down Clayton Kershaw, who is a pitcher I love to watch. He's great. He's so much fun to watch. But this is now the second podcast, second article I've had to write that is pretty much taking shots at Kershaw. And it's because guys are going over the moon, head over heels for Kershaw, when they don't have to. Just enjoy that this is an absolutely phenomenal in the barest meaning of the word, phenom, phenomenal pitcher. He is, he's fantastic. But don't go and make arguments that make no sense, like Clayton Kershaw is the best pitcher of all time, Or right now, Clayton Kershaw is better than Max Scherzer because both of those arguments are completely invalid. And that's the problem. Everybody wants to be alive and enjoy the biggest moment in human history. It's what we're seeing in politics right now. Oh my God, all this other stuff. It's just dumb. It's why people want to be alive when like a president's impeached. You want to be at the game. You don't want to be Robin Williams' character in Goodwill Hunting who slides the ticket across to his buddies and says, I have to go see about a girl, right? You want to be at the Carlton Fisk home run game so you can tell everybody about it after. Granted, it worked out, according to Robin Williams' character, worked out pretty well for him in Goodwill Hunting. But everybody wants to be at that game. You want to be at the no hitter. You want to have that ticket stub and you want to show people and you want to tell people about it afterwards. So I think what's happening right now with Clayton Kershaw in particular is that people are seeing this guy who is a -a once-in-a-generation pitcher and they're trying to make him even better than he actually is. And just don't do that. Just enjoy who the guy is right now. And hey, if you do that, then you can enjoy baseball. and We don't have to have these stupid conversations when clearly there is actually a factually and empirically correct answer. But what do I know? All right, so Clayton Kershaw isn't better than Max Scherzer. What I can tell you, though, as we go on to our next topic of the day, John McEnroe, he is one of the all-time greats in the world of tennis. Serena Williams is one of, if not the best female tennis player of all time. I still like Martina Navratilova because of how long she was able to play for. But in terms of who had the most power and who was the most dominant female tennis player of all time, that's obviously Serena Williams. That is something that John McEnroe completely agrees with. But of course, McEnroe got into a ton of trouble because he was asked a question on NPR, National Public Radio, about how do you think Serena would do? Or The way it was prefaced was, why do you have to use a qualifier, Mr. McEnroe? Why do you have to say best female tennis player? He goes, well, because if you put her on the men's side, she wouldn't be that good. She'd be something like 700th in the world. Now, 700th might be a little bit high, but he's not off by much. Empirically speaking, she would be because her average serve is like 108 and the average men's serve is about 120 plus. Like, um, it's just, it is what it is. She can goose it up if she wants to, But the reason that she is so good on the women's side is because of her power and her dominance, her strength. Yes, she has a decent finesse game as well, and she has very good ground strokes. But at the same time, if you put her on the men's side, she would get destroyed. She even said this in an interview uh, when someone asked how would she do against somebody like Andy Murray. And she goes, oh, Andy Murray would beat me in like 10 minutes. He would beat me straight sets. And that is the God's honest truth. So uh, there shouldn't be this big thing. But the problem is, is how she reacted afterwards. She told McEnroe to um, pretty much do not discuss her. Uh, do not discuss her when. Let's see if we can get the exact quote up here. Oh, okay, okay, okay. So here is the direct quote from Serena Williams: "Dear John, I adore and respect you, but please, please keep me out of your statements that are not factually based." Now, remember, she said that. That's pretty much exactly how it would go, but whatever. She then followed that up, and these are tweets. I've never played anyone I've never played anyone ranked there in quotation marks, nor do I have time. Respect me and my privacy as I'm trying to have a baby. Good day, sir. Respect me and my privacy as I'm trying to have a baby. Okay, one does not have anything to do with the other. But why this has really gotten my dander up is because no fewer than 24 hours later, she post, self-posted a picture on Instagram of her almost entirely naked self and pregnant self with the Vanity Fair cover. You cannot say, respect me and my privacy as I'm trying to have a baby And then the next day, post a naked picture of yourself on a Vanity Fair cover when you're entirely naked and pregnant. These two things are entirely contradictory statements. This is like the real-life version of Bauman's article with, hey, here are all the reasons that Max Scherzer is better than Clayton Kershaw. And then the next sentence, he goes, Clayton Kershaw is better than Max Scherzer. Serena Williams goes, respect me and my privacy as I'm trying to have a baby. And then the next thing she does in public is post a picture of her naked and pregnant self online. The stupidity of some people and what some people will do, it is so painful. So out of all this, McEnroe, who was asked a leading question and answered the question in a factually based manner is the guy that it's getting raked over the coals. But thankfully, John Macro knows his place in tennis and has decided, (laughs) I don't care. You want me to apologize? No. Maybe I'll lower the number down from 700 to maybe like 300, but that's all you're going to get. And he's right. He is right. Serena Williams here and she has said he is right in the past but now with Twitter Serena Williams says no you're not right and more so than that not only are you not right but now you're infringing upon this sacred time in my life and you're infringing upon my privacy as I'm trying to have a baby and then the next thing she does naked pregnant pic. You hear that clapping? That is about as sarcastic of a clap as I can get. I have no idea what's going on in the world of sports. Like, this is why I do a podcast. This is why I write the articles that take about an hour and a half to write and are pretty much just pure anger right on to the keyboard. Because that's the only way I know how to react, honestly. I try to think about it. I try to figure, okay, maybe there's a little bit more nuance to this. But every time that I think there, there is something that is more nuanced... What I get is a Michael Ballman article. What I get is a Serena Williams saying, respect me and my privacy, and then coming back with a naked picture. Yeah, sports in 2017. Okay, so that's the John McEnroe, Serena Williams kerfuffle. But the other thing that I mentioned I was trying to get to in the last podcast and never got around to was the Celtics draft. Look, I like Jason Tatum. I really do. I I think he's going to be a very, very good player. And that's about it. I think he's exactly what you should get. He's a pure scorer. He has the athletic ability. He's a better scorer than Jalen Brown. Uh, From what most people said, he's a better scorer than Markel Fultz in terms of pure scoring and pure scoring ability. In other words, trying to get his own points, trying to make his own shots, create his own shots. But. That's Tatum, right? Jason Tatum. Great. I'm happy with that pick. What I'm really happy about is the Celtics' first pick in round two, the number 37 overall pick, Semi Ojale. Semi Ojale from SMU murdered UConn every time he played them. So I got to watch a lot of Ojale. And not only that, I got to watch a lot of Ojale dominate. And it wasn't just good play. He was all over the floor. He was an absolute force. This is a guy who, against Eastern Carolina threw up a thirty-six and twelve in the first round loss to USC, a twenty-four and ten. This guy is good. He averaged an eighteen and eighteen point nine points and six point eight rebounds his last year in college. But he's also a forty-two percent three point shooter. He's 6'8", 230. He looks jacked out of his mind. He's kind of got the same type of body that Jay Crowder has, and he plays with a little bit more anger, which is saying something because Jay Crowder's not really the most reserved guy in the world. So you get Ojale, who might be the best 3 and D guy in the draft. Like, that's how good I think he can be. 42% three-point shooter in college. His numbers jumped every single year, and... He is not afraid. He can leap out of the frickin' gym. I believe he has a 42-inch vertical as well. No, 40.5-inch vertical. Sorry, I I gave him an extra inch and a half. But his vertical, 40.5. So this guy can jump, he can rebound, he can shoot, he can play defense, and he's not going to get bodied around with a 6'8", 230, jacked-up frame. That's a great pick. Celtics followed that up with Kadeem Allen, who is another defensive guy. Allen uh, is one of the best perimeter defender, or was one of the best perimeter defenders in all of the NCA last season. Uh, averaged a little bit less than ten points a game, so he's not a guy that's going to light up the scoreboard. In fact, it was uh, nine point eight points per game. But he almost averaged two steals a game, one point nine. He also had one block a game. He's six three. He's got a six nine. Wingspan, he can be very, very good, and he has shown signs that he's developing a shot. AKA, he might be Avery Bradley reincarnated. All right, he was averaging uh, that's what Bradley was doing. Bradley was an 18 and 8 guy all season this year until the mid season injury, and then he was 16.3 and I think like a 6 8 rebounder. So We'll see if the Celtics just picked up, like, Jay Crowder plus model and then the poor man's version of Avery Bradley. If they did do that, then, hey, I'm all for the draft with Danny Ainge. No longer Trader Danny, more Drafting Danny. That doesn't really roll off the tongue. The tongue nearly as well, but, hey, it works. But, hey, we're also done here. Uh, I said roughly half hour show. We've gone well past that but that's because well when i'm ranting really can't stop it that's why this is called bagoons barrage thank you folks for listening in once again to bagoons barrage the roughly half hour podcast they'll feature one big long rant and then a couple other things thrown in there at the end i hope you have a wonderful day wherever and whenever you are listening to this podcast this is jake donnelly aka bagoon saying thank you for tuning in. Have a lovely rest of your day.